Hey friends, it's Jen here and I'm pumped we have a fun topic for today. We're going to be diving into how to grow in hearing God's voice for your life personally. Yep, that is what I said. Every believer, every Christian has probably thought about this one way or another. And whether you've been frustrated, confused, or just unsure where to look, I'm really hoping to help you as you explore ways to deepen your relationship with the Lord. This is an essential area. So this is also a two-part topic. So you're going to want to come back next week. This week I'm laying some foundation and next week we're going to get into some nitty-gritty. Okay, and you're going to want to stay tuned for Life Hacks with Jen because I'm going to be sharing some fashion tips. I know, totally different. Fashion tips at the end for all of you petite ladies. I know that being on the shorter side can be a challenge, so I want to share with you some tips to help you look and feel your best in your clothes. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. All right, guys, so I am here with a good friend of mine. Her name is Danielle, and actually, I told you about our school of ministry. She just graduated last night Yay. from our school of ministry. Yay, Danielle. Hey, y'all. Was this your first year to do that or second? First. First year. Okay, it was your first but year. not my last. But not your last. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we actually have a number of students who um, have done it two, three years. We even have one guy who's done it six years. He's, he's our true faithful. Um, anyway, so we're going to jump into this, but Danielle wanted to come and get kind of a sneak peek of behind the scenes, how podcasting works, and I thought it'd be great to have her in here as we talk about this topic so she can chime in some questions that maybe some of y'all would have as you're listening. So... Let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. So a few years ago, speaking about hearing the Lord's voice, um, I had had a couple of people ask me, like a number of people within like a 24-hour period asked me, so how do you hear the Lord's voice? How do you know when he's talking to you? So by the time the third person asked me, it was one of our college students, him and his girlfriend were at the house, and um, he goes, Miss Jenilee, how do, you, how do you hear God's voice? How do you know that you're hearing God's voice? And so since it had come up so many times, I was like, you know, I have answered this off the cuff every other time, but maybe the (laughs) Lord is needing to tell me something, you know? So I said, well, let me think on it while I go change this diaper. So I got up, went in the other room to change a kid's diaper and was talking to the Lord. And I was like, okay, Lord, this question keeps coming up. What would you have me tell people about hearing your voice? And the Lord, it surprised me what he said. He said, um, they need to believe that I am going to speak to them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh. Because my whole life, I and I guess it's just part of the way the Lord's built me spiritually, I've never wondered if God was going to speak to me. I've always had an expectation that he will and he should speak to me. But I didn't realize that it's possible that people might not really believe or know that God is going to speak to them. So it really got me thinking and I was like, okay, then I need to have an answer for this because I need to be able to point to this in scripture. Like this is kind of important. So let me start right there with my first point, which is you as a believer can and should be able to hear the Lord's voice. And we're going to look at some scriptures that make this point. But first, let me give you this little analogy. If you think of parenting. Say, maybe you're not a parent, think about your parents. If you are a parent, think about your children. But having a parent's voice present in a child's life is one of the most fundamental parts of that child growing up healthy, right? They need comfort. They need guidance. They need correction. They need reassurance. They need your voice in their life. If a parent is ignoring their child and not speaking to them when it's a moment that they should be speaking to them, that constitute 
constitutes as child neglect and, and abuse, right? So if we mm-hmm. as human parents <clears throat> must speak to our children to, to ensure their growth and maturity, how much more does, must God speak to us as a good parent, right? Mm-hmm. So God is not a child abuser. <laughs> he, loves, he loves us and he wants to see us grow in maturity. Um, so I'm going to actually read to you guys out of this passage in John 10, 10. Now let me just prepare or just explain. Like when I was looking up scriptures to um, see what the word says on this topic, holy moly. I was like, this is officially going to become the most boring podcast in history because I had like 250 scriptures that I could throw at you. And I was like, well, we won't quite do that. That's just so, important. Yeah, exactly. But it does. You're right. It does show the importance. But I love John 10, 10. I feel like it's the most clean, clear picture. Jesus is talking. So we know that he's talking to us and it's for us. And it's new covenant. It's after the cross. Um, Okay. So it says here in John 10, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep out by name and leads them out. When he has brought them all out on his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because now they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. It says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. (laughs) He's like, y'all, this is obvious. Let me explain it now. So he said, (laughs) I know. (laughs) So he's like, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. And the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Salvation. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. Um, Verse 14. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. They too will listen to my voice. We will all be one flock and have one shepherd. The whole chapter goes on. He says it quite a few times about hearing my voice. But I wanted to go back to verse 3 where it talks about the watchman opens the gate for him, which is like you come into salvation because he says, I am the gate, right? So the watchman opens the gate for him. So they come in, which is salvation. The sheep listen to his voice. So there's the listening before there's a knowing, okay? They listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep out by name. Mm-hmm. And leads them out. And I love, Stephen mentioned it last night at graduation mm-hmm. about calling us out by name. He called the disciples by name. Mm-hmm. And I thought of this scripture um, because he calls us out by name. There is something about a personal connection with the Lord where we suddenly are aware he sees me, he knows me, he knows my name. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that interaction and that personal connection is part of the process of establishing us in beginning to recognize his voice. Because then right after that, it says when he's brought them all out, he goes ahead of them to lead them and his sheep follow him because now they know his voice. Mm. So first they listened to his voice because he called them out by name. Now they know his voice. And so as, as we're growing and hearing the Lord's voice, there's, there's that process. There's the salvation. Then there's the listening for his voice and him calling you out by name, those personal encounters with him, and then recognizing his voice. And that's where your quiet time comes in and having time with the Lord. Uh, Rick Warren says, we often miss hearing God's voice 
simply because we aren't paying attention. And it's true, when the Lord spoke to me, they need to know I will speak to them. We're not inclined to be listening if we don't even believe in the first place that he's Mm going to be speaking, right? And so the biggest hurdle in learning to hear God's voice isn't trying trying to convince him to speak. It's simply us getting quiet long enough or us being available in our heart and in our attention long enough to be listening for his voice and pursuing those encounters. Like, I don't walk through my day and just randomly hear God shout from heaven, Jonah <laughs> where he's like speaking my name, you know? <laughs> but it's amazing to me the times when I pull aside and I prioritize talking to him or listening for him, he will encounter me and he will come. Even this morning in my quiet time, he just spoke to me and I wrote down two pages. He just spoke to me about a thing in my heart that I was wrestling through and I just wrote it all out and I was like, this is so freeing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's because I take the time to seek those encounters. Um, a few, actually about a year ago now, maybe nine months ago, I ran real late. It was the night before school started and it was late at night and I ran to the grocery store to get something for the kids And on my drive home, I just chose to not turn on the radio, not listen to a podcast on my phone, not do anything, but just drive in silence in the dark. The road was quiet, and so I just drove. Well, while I was driving, this scripture came up in my heart um, about he surrounds us with his favor as with a shield. And it was about the time we had lost our house the year before in Hurricane Harvey. And so I was like, you know, Lord, we're headed into hurricane season I don't know what is ahead or in store, but I just ask that you'd surround our home with your favor as with a shield and you'd surround everything that our property and everything just protect us. Well, that night, literally three hours later, the neighbor's house went up in flames and we were sleeping right through it. And when I ran through the bathroom, when we finally were awake, some someone came banging on the door. It was like maybe one or two in the morning. And they come pounding on the door, wake up, wake up, wake up. I mean, like they were so loud. I jumped out of bed, ran into the bed frame and had this massive bruise on my leg for weeks because I hit it so hard. Lovely I know, exactly. And I ran to the front door. And at first I thought someone was psyching us out, you know, to try to get into the house. And so at first I wasn't opening the door. They're like, there's a fire. Get out of your house. And I was like, what? And so I like, then he runs off. So I was like, this is legit. So I'm having all these flashbacks, like... What do we grab in case we lose the house again? I was like, literally, I was thinking that a year ago when we evacuated for the hurricane. How are we going to, we're going to lose our house. And so um, I run to the boys' room. Steven's up and he's like, get all the boys up. I'm going to go outside and get the hose going. You know, whatever. He's like, (laughs) how to protect the house. And I'm like, get the kids out of the house. So I wake the boys up real fast and I'm like, hurry up. We got to get out of the house. Anyways, I'm making the story very long and drawn out. But bottom line was... That house was close enough and the flames were so high when I passed through the bathroom to go to my closet to get dressed, um, I, the, the window was, it was, it was like, like it was glowing red and orange because the fire was so close. Thankfully there was no wind. If there was Mm -hmm. wind, it would have easily caught our roof on fire. Mm -hmm. There was no wind and it never jumped. Um, but the flames were 20 feet high. It was massive. It was whole. I mean, we were on the news, everything. Mm -hmm. But I just thought to myself, if I had not taken the time on that drive to isolate my attention and talk to the Lord and had not Mm -hmm. had him drop that scripture in my heart to pray over our home, Mm -hmm. angels respond to the word of the Lord. 
I released the word of the Lord over my home. I believe angels protected our home because I took that moment to get aside and hear the father's voice. Even though I was driving, it was only five minutes, but that could have been what saved our home from going up in flames also. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that making the point of hearing God's voice is we need to train ourselves to pay attention. Taking time aside with the Lord. When you're going through something and your first instinct is to call all your best friends, call your mom, call your mentors, get all the voices going into the situation. Frequently, we get so many voices going into a situation, we end up massively confused and we don't even think to ask the Lord until we're hecka confused and don't know what to do. <laughs> and the Lord's like, you know, you would have started with me. You wouldn't be all confused, you know? And so making it a primary um, response to life and to situations to go to the Lord and make the time. And Jeremiah 33, 3, I love it. He promises, he says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you have not known. Like, I feel like that's the most clear scripture where he's like, if you come and pray, I will answer you and I will show you things you did not ever possibly know. Like he promises to give mm-hmm. us secrets. And so if we make the time to talk to him, he promises to talk to us. Psalms 32.8 says, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go and I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Like, he's like, I'm not just going to tell you what to do. I'm going to watch you while you're mm-hmm. doing it. And I just, oh, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1 Samuel 3.10, I love this, this story about little Samuel that um, was given to the priest by Hannah. And, um, and he was being raised by Eli, the priest. And so Samuel was so accustomed to following Eli's voice and listening to Eli that when the Lord called Samuel, he confused it for Eli's voice. And so in the night, Samuel was like eight years old or something, was sleeping, and the Lord called to him. He said, Samuel, Samuel. Mm -hmm. And Samuel got up and ran into Eli's room. He's like, Eli, what do you need? And Eli's like, what are you talking about? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. And the Lord calls him again. He runs into Eli again, and Eli's like, you must be dreaming. Go back to bed. And so he goes back to bed. And the third time the Lord calls him, he runs into Eli and Eli's like, oh, God is talking to you. Next time this happens, say, Lord, your servant is listening. And so finally it happens again. The Lord comes to him and he says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, I'm listening. Your servant, your servant is listening. Please speak. And so something I drew from that is also as we're learning to hear the Lord's voice, your response to your leadership is an essential part of learning to recognize his voice. Mm-hmm. We oftentimes don't think, we oftentimes separate the two, like God's voice and my leader's voice. But the mm-hmm. word is very clear that it's the Lord who establishes authority and that God works through our leaders. And I have experienced many times, I'll be praying about something during the week And then pastor will teach a message on it that Sunday as though he was eavesdropping my prayers. (laughs) Like this has happened literally like five or six weeks in a row. And I was like, holy crap. And I was like, clearly God is showing me he speaks through leadership, you know. And, um, And so God speaks through leadership. And so Samuel, if he was not programmed to listen and obey, listen closely to his leader's voice, then he wouldn't have even responded or he might have been confused or he might have disregarded it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was Eli having the wisdom to tell him, hey, the Lord's calling you. You need to go back and this is how you need to respond. So you need to draw close to your leaders when you're wanting to hear the Lord's voice. Um, 
listen to what your leaders are telling you. If your leaders are, and I'm talking about good leaders, good average leaders, not not demented, twisted, awful leaders, okay? But the average leader is a good intention leader. They're not perfect, but they're well-intentioned. So even if they're actually, even we see in scripture, like even ungodly leaders, God still works with, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, if your leaders though, let's say they're confronting an area of your life and they're like, hey, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop... Um, like I know somebody that was promoting a ministry, they were kind of a new believer and their ministry took off really fast and they were, you know, doing all this stuff. Well, their leadership kept sitting them down and saying, hey, listen, I see these red flags. You need to stop doing this. You need to spend more time with your family. You need to stop, you know, promoting yourself and you need to just really honor the Lord in the way that you're doing things. Well, they just kept disregarding leaders, kept disregarding, kept disregarding. And it was multiple leaders mm-hmm. saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. but they didn't hear the voice of wisdom and the voice of God in that. Mm-hmm. And so they began to self-sabotage and their, their ministry has begun to fall apart. And, and it's heartbreaking because that person had some really powerful anointings and giftings on their life and the gifts still operated. Like they still moved in all these great gifts they had, mm-hmm. but they began to sever all these relationships because they wouldn't submit to authority and they didn't hear God's voice coming through authority. And sometimes that's how God will train us to hear his voice is he'll test our humility and and because it requires humility to submit to our leadership and honor the voice of God in our leaders. And so that's one way that God will speak and we see that through the example of Samuel, mm-hmm. which takes us into the next point, which is that there's a learning curve in learning to hear God's voice. Um, Samuel obviously is an example of that. Gideon in Judges 6 was another example of that. An angel showed up to Gideon. He was hiding in the wine press and like doing doing his work, hiding out. And an angel comes and approaches him and it's like, hail thou great mighty warrior Gideon. And he's like, say what? You talking to me? No way. Don't you know I'm down here hiding? Like, <laughs> I don't think so. And so the angel shows up, gives him this message from the Lord. And even though he's face to face with an angel, still questions if it's God. So he didn't ask for one confirmation or two confirmations. He asked for three confirmations that this was God speaking before he had the courage to respond to God's voice. And so as you're growing, A, it'll take some time to learn to recognize God's voice through your leaders, in your own spirit, in the word of God. Um, but it also, it also, it just takes time, us learning how to navigate either to overcome our fears and, and be able to obey what the Lord is saying or whatever. There is a journey to it. Um, Jesus, even when he was young, it said, we saw in that he, when he was 12 years old, that he was in the temple and he was preaching in the temple or teaching from the, from the word. And his parents went on home. And three days later, they're like, where the heck is Jesus? And they had to go back and find him. Can you imagine traveling on your feet for three days and being like, crap, where is my kid? And then having to go back to go get I him. Oh, my mind. I know. You better know Mary was like, oh, boy, I'm dragging <laughs> you by your ear home. You know. And his response to her was, you should have known I would have been doing my father's work. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you got a lot to learn, buddy. You know, even in the Bible yes. says that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. <laughs> he might have suffered on the way home, That's really you funny. know. And so, and then honestly, and again, don't let that be confused for he was sinless and perfect, but there's a difference between learning, failing in the learning process and being rebellious. Big mm. difference. And Jesus was not rebellious, but he was a child. And so... 
we see in scripture, like there's nothing about his life between 12 years old and 30 years old when he goes into the wilderness to start Mm -hmm. his ministry. And I really think that gets me. I know. Like he was invisible. He was invisible. And I want to know too, like when I get to heaven, I'll be like, Jesus, what was going on in those years? But like, if he was like anyone else, what I started learning to hear God's voice around that age, around adolescence. Right. Mm -hmm. And so quite possibly between 12 and 30, he was learning to hear his father's voice as a human. Hmm. He had always been in, in heaven, and it's unmistakable when God speaks there. Mm-hmm. But as a human, it's totally different because he speaks in a whisper and having to learn mm-hmm. the difference between your voice and enemy's voice and people's voice and God's voice, you know, and like discerning all of that. But we know when he was a full-grown man, he said, I don't do anything unless my father has commanded me to do it, saying Mm -hmm. or doing. And so somewhere between 12, when he's like, Mom, you should have known I was doing the father's business. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he was not sassy. But as a mom, as a mom, I would have been like, you are a back-talking child, you know. Um, I'm sure he wasn't. I'm not saying Jesus was sassy. But but between 12 and 30, you know what I mean? Like there was probably a lot that transpired in him learning to hear his father's voice, mm-hmm. learning to submit to authority. Even when it came to, to uh, when he, like you can see the change, his first miracle was when he turned water into wine and his mother comes to him and she's like, Jesus, do something about this. And he's like, it is not my time, woman. And he addresses, yes, he addresses her as woman. <laughs> well, he does tell his mom, he's like, <laughs> it's okay. He's like, this is not my time. And she's like, She just looks at the disciples and she goes, just do whatever he tells you. He still submitted to her authority Mm -hmm. because he told her, he's like, it's not my time. But then she tells the disciples, do whatever he tells you. And he still submitted to her. And he said, all right, we're making wine. You know what I mean? Like, and he did the miracle. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, it was almost like him submitting to her authority and him saying, it's not my time. But then she was like, do it. That started his first miracle. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that was his break into ministry, but like, Maybe that was part of it because she was the authority in his life and she made room for him to operate on that level. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And she was like, you need to do it. And so um, I just, I knew the power (laughs) of a mom. Come on, moms, when you second guess yourself. Um, But anyway, so the bottom line being that there is a learning process. Okay. But we do see that hearing God's voice, even though there's a learning process to it, there's also an aspect of it that is going to be intrinsic to your identity as a son of God. Romans eight fourteen says, those who are sons of God are led by the spirit of God. And we again have that example with Jesus. John eight forty seven also says, whoever is of God, <clears throat> hears what God says. The reason that you do not hear what God says is that you are not of God. And so there is an affirmative black and white line that says, if you're a son of God, you're going to hear his voice. That doesn't mean there's not learning, but that does mean that you're, there is a hearing. And um, like just like our children when they're little, they have to learn to recognize our voice and to come when we say come, you know what I mean, or stop. Or, you know what I mean, when they're infants, they don't understand those commands. They might Mm -hmm. recognize your voice and look where they hear your voice coming from, but they don't always know what to do with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And there's a learning curve, even even as children, and it's the same way spiritually. So Jesus, again, set the example for us. John 12, 49 says, He speaks only what the Father has commanded Him to say. But the exciting part of this is John 14, 12, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, listen, because I go to the father, 
you are going to do greater works than I have done because I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit and you're going to do even greater works than me. So if Jesus, who did nothing except for what the Father said, said, you're going to do even greater works than me, holy stinking moly, then why are we even wondering if God's going to speak to us? Of course he's going to speak. It's part of our identity and like our commissioning, right? Mm -hmm. To hear God's voice. And so in Ephesians 4 also talks about the maturing of the saints, how how God's gift or Christ's gift to the church is the fivefold ministry, the evangelist, pastor, teacher, uh, prophet, and apostle. And they're given to us for the maturing of saints. Again, that's leadership. That's established authority that is for the maturing of the saints. And so um, learning to hear God's voice through leadership and in the quiet place, in the word of God, in hearing his voice just personally because you're a son of God, there's a learning curve to learning to hear God's voice. Okay, in the third part of hearing God's voice, I want to give you guys some safeguards Um, because part of learning anything is you always want to learn what it does look like and then what it doesn't look like. Um, in banking, I I was a cashier. One of my first jobs was a cashier and we had to handle bills all the time. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that they train you to identify a counterfeit is not necessarily to study counterfeits, but it's to handle a whole lot of real money. And then when Mm -hmm. a counterfeit comes through, you, you recognize the difference. Mm-hmm. And there was one time I was cashiering and um, someone hands me, it was just a $5 bill, but it felt different. Like mm-hmm. my fingers, the texture, it just felt different. The ink looked just slightly different. There was just mm-hmm. something about it. I was like, mm, it does not look normal. So I swiped it with the checking pen and sure enough, it came up counterfeit. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow. And so, but I recognized it because I was mm-hmm. so accustomed to handling real money that when I experienced fake money, it was easy to distinguish. Hmm. And so I want to give you guys some of these safeguards so that as you're learning to recognize God's voice, your number one way of learning to to recognize his voice is to surround yourself, of course, with um, people who hear God's voice and speak in that way. Um, Surround yourself with the word of God, be at church, be in fellowship with believers and stuff like that. But here are some safeguards so that you can recognize when in hearing God's voice and learning to distinguish between your own voice, the enemy, or the world, these are some kind of um, check markers you can check it against to be able to uh, gauge if it's him or not. And the first one is that God's voice will always cooperate with the counsel of God's word. There's a passage that talks about that um, the word of God is the more sure word of prophecy. And prophecy is just a fancy word for hearing God's voice or seeing the visions that God would show you. Um, Okay, so prophecy is just a fancy word for hearing God's voice. But it says the more sure word of prophecy is the word of God. So understand that if you're asking God to speak to you and you're not hearing anything, but you go to the word and suddenly a scripture stands out to you, That is God's voice Mm -hmm. to you. God is speaking to you. He is using the word of God. And there's been times when I've wanted to grow in the prophetic and grow in hearing God's voice personally. And sure enough, God kept drawing me back to the word and putting a lot of word into me, scripture. Mm -hmm. And that's because, again, just like handling money, you've got to get a lot of the right stuff in so that you can recognize Mm -hmm. when you hear another voice, right? You've got to listen to the voice of the shepherd so that you won't follow the voice of another, right? So the word of God is the, is the best way to attune your ear to his voice. But when he does speak in, inside your heart, in your mind, it's not going to go against the word of God. Um, I had, (laughs) 
this is so ridiculous. There was a guy locally um, in Orange that ran his car into a Sunday morning church service, like ran it into the church. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But when they asked him why he did it, he said God told him to do it. And I was just like, you've got to be freaking, Mm -hmm. what a joker. Like, oh my gosh. And so, and I've also heard of people that they're like, God told me to leave my wife to go marry this other woman. I'm like, I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry. That is not the voice of God. That's how we get freaky weird cults and weird religions. Mm -hmm. They have an encounter with this great weird being. And then it, it tells them to do something that's counter to scripture and counter Mm -hmm. to God's um, voice in the word. And so that's your first um, checks and balances is weigh it against the full counsel of the word. Second is it will always produce the fruits of the spirit. In Galatians 5.22, where it talks about the fruits of the spirit, right before it, it talks about the works of the flesh, jealousy and envy and strife and all these things. And it's just interesting that it contrasts the works of the flesh with the work of the Holy Spirit. If God's voice is speaking to you, he is not going to lead you into the fruit that produces flesh and nastiness Mm -hmm. like envy, strife, all those things, Um, because a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. So if God is speaking, it is going to produce the fruits of the Spirit. And actually, for those who don't know, fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay. (laughs) The third checks and balances is it will always point people to Jesus and the Father and never away from them or away from yourself. And I'm not going to leave Holy Spirit out of that either. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, you get left out all the time. Um, It will point people to Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, never away from them or to yourself. One of the reasons the guy that I referred to, his ministry started to fall apart. Leadership was encouraging him like, hey, listen, you're pointing people to yourself. This is becoming the so-and-so show, you know, and this is not right. You need to be pointing people to God. But what was happening is he was kind of pointing people to himself and his giftings in the name of God. Very different. Mm -hmm. We don't need to draw people to ourselves. Like that's not the point. In fact, in Isaiah 42, eight, it, the, the word says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. God is serious. Like, and it's not because God is insecure and needs it, but it's because that is right. Mm -hmm. He is God. You know what I mean? Like he deserves all the glory. Jesus is the one who died. I didn't die. Jesus died. So Mm -hmm. he gets all the credit. You know what I mean? And so, uh, when God speaks to us, he's never going to, um, the fruit of it should draw people to the father and to his love and not away from it. Okay. And the fourth checks would be, he will never cause you, he will never instigate rebellion against authority. Now, This is a topic that could be a whole podcast in itself is in how to respond to authority. I know that there are authority figures who abuse their power and scripture does talk about how we need to respond to those people. I'm not saying that you should never um, part ways with certain leaders that are unhealthy, but what I am saying is God will never nurture a rebellious, divisive response. He will always nurture in you and and lead you to a place of submission and honor, even if leadership is unhealthy. Um, and then when the right time to leave that bad leadership comes, then there will be an exit. But 
you know, thankfully, most leadership is good, healthy leadership. Um, but anyways, but he will never instigate rebellion against authority because God has established authority. And so those are the four checks and balances that I weigh things against when I'm, when the Lord has spoken to me is actually, let's just summarize. So the summary of this whole podcast is you must believe that God will speak to you. If you want to learn to grow in hearing his voice, you need to know he will speak to you. His word is full of promises that he will speak to you and will guide you. That like Gideon and Samuel, it takes time to learn to recognize his voice and distinguish it from others. And often God, actually most times I believe the leadership, spiritual leadership that God has put in your life are going to be fundamental in teaching you how to begin to recognize God's voice. Um, It is the example that Christ has set for us. And you must always weigh when you're hearing his voice against, does it support and cooperate with the word of God? Does it produce the fruits of the spirit? Does it point people to Jesus? Does it encourage me to stay submitted to authority? Okay, so come for the next podcast. We're going to be actually getting into um, eight ways that you might hear God's voice, eight different ways that it could that it could show up in your life, and then some really practical exercises that you can do to begin to develop in recognizing and hearing His voice. So. Yay. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks, Danielle, for being... Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being a fun friend to do this with. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys next week. All right, so many of you know that I work in fashion. I worked for Stitch Fix as a stylist for three years and styled over 8,000 ladies and men. And um, I had a blast. I styled plus size, I styled petite, and I loved every bit of it. Um, And so something I did notice, and I had a great level of compassion for my petite ladies. Now, I am tall, actually. I'm five foot eight, and when I'm in heels, I'm six foot tall. So petite is not my struggle, but sometimes I struggle on the opposite end where things aren't quite long enough. But my petite ladies, it really was a challenge to find um, clothing that really made petite ladies feel like they could just wear their clothes confidently. So I have figured out some tips that will help you on this journey. Now, if you don't shop in the petite section, this is important. Petite is if you're five foot three or under, um, or if you, let's say you're five four, five five, and you have a really short torso, you might wear petite on top and just regular length on bottom. So if you have a particularly short torso, short legs, or you are shorter, then consider the petite section. They don't have these sections in every store, but I do know that Dillard's and JCPenney does, and that there are some great resources online for petite ladies. Um, But the petites allow you to find shirts that are shorter through the torso, through the sleeves, and through the leg length. And this just makes it for a more natural fit. Um, Something that petite ladies should also consider is when you're looking for different cuts, look for something a little more on the fitted side. It doesn't need to be tight, um, but just something that skims your body or has a little bit more of a tailored feel. Because if you have less volume horizontally, it will allow you to look taller. And so this is a way to streamline your look by causing you to look longer vertically by keeping things narrow and skimming your body with your clothes instead of wearing really blousey stuff. Um, Another thing that you can do is wearing v-necks. It doesn't have to be a deep v, but wearing a v-neck adds length to your neck 
itself and adds length to the torso visually. And so that allows you to look a little longer. Um, wearing pointed toe heels or shoes will actually also make your legs look longer because visually it kind of extends the shoe a little bit more than a rounded toe. A rounded toe is going to kind of stunt the look of your leg where a pointed toe will elongate. And when you have pants that are a little bit too long, um, if you can cuff them, like if they're a straight or a skinny cut, then cuff them be by all means or get them hemmed because what this does it is it also creates a real streamlined look um, when you cuff your pants I know some of you may be experienced where they bunch at the ankle uh, above your shoe especially if you're wearing booties or something like that um, what you want to do is just cuff you can do one really tall um, wide cuff that has a real clean look to it or you can do a few rolls and it'll be a little bit of a thicker cuff and um, it'll have a little more of a casual feel. But what you wanna do is cuff it to where it just skims the top of your shoe or maybe there's a sliver of skin showing. And what that does is that creates naturally a longer look for your leg. I mean, just practically our brains understand if your leg, if your pants are not long enough, they're gonna bunch. And if they are perfectly straight, then that must mean you have enough leg to fill out your pants. <laughs> and so that's what it does to the brain. It tells the brain that you have longer legs and it does that visually. Also with prints, and you guys may have already figured this out for yourself, but petite ladies want to avoid real big prints because again, in contrast, you don't have as much room on your body for a large print. You're going to want to stick with smaller prints because a large print will dwarf you a little bit more, whereas a smaller print, by contrast, you proportionately still look much larger than the print itself. And so a smaller print will just work better on your frame. Um, something else you can do, I'm, I'm giving you all the tips, ladies, um, is wearing a monochromatic look which is where maybe you're wearing white on top and white on bottom. This also creates a long, lean look, or same with black. Monochromatic for petites is really a chic, kind of modern feel that also really elongates your look. You just have to do it very well, and the pieces need to fit right. If they don't fit right and it looks sloppy, it doesn't quite capture the same chic look. Um, all right, my last two for you petite ladies, is don't be afraid of belting your outfit. If you have a dress that is kind of blousey, just belt it. By having something that's a little more fitted, it actually makes your body, again, look longer as opposed to wider. Um, and so don't be afraid to belt it, and that also will lengthen your leg because the belt will show off the true length of your legs, and it also will accent your waist, which gives you that real nice feminine shape. And lastly, wearing high-waisted pants is a great idea for you petites because, again, it will lengthen your leg, and by having long legs, you naturally will look taller. So I hope these tips were helpful. Um, let me know what you think. Feel free to email me if you have any questions. If you guys want me to do another fashion tips segment, I would be happy to. And don't forget to come back next week to learn a little bit more about how to grow in hearing the Lord's voice. See you next week, guys.